So Ibru, so many brands today are are more branding and marketing and a little short on science and substantiation. So it's really, uh, I mean, I love talking to brands that are really kind of steeped in science because science is universal and kind of, um, and global in many, perspe- in many perspectives. So with your background in molecular medicine and immunology, um, you know, Avicina is certainly steeped in science. Can you share a little bit about your background and the impetus for launching um, the brand? Sure. Uh, so um, I'm a molecular immunologist and I have experience also training in molecular medicine. And um, I've been working on the impact of estrogen and estrogen compounds on the immune system for years. In basic, uh, why females have better immune systems, stronger immune system yet? Why do they have more inflammatory autoimmune diseases? That was the core of my research in immunology. And inflammation is my core research. Uh, and while I was researching that, I had horrible skin, acne prone skin, thanks to the stress for PhD and all the research. (laughs) And uh, I was trying to fix it at the same time. But when I start getting into more inflammation, more into the research stuff, I started also researching my own problems because nothing was working. Um, And then I started formulating uh, for my own belief, for my sensitivities, and it started working. And during that time, unfortunately, my dad got lung cancer and um, he was a surgeon. Uh, he actually passed away last year. Um, he was a surgeon and surgeons are the most horrible patients. They're really hard. And uh, because of the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy, his skin got really bad really dry. So he had this certain lotion, I'm not going to give name, uh, from here, from US, and he was living on the coast of Mediterranean by that time. And he he told me, you have to bring me some back. I took back. And then he put it on completely red. And he was like, angry at me. You brought me the wrong thing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, dad, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same formulation. But with that said, sometimes, you know, when you have different lots, the, the ingredients can change from lot to lot. You can't figure out what's going on. So I gave him my cream to him. Like we, we put it on and I went to my room. I basically escaped to my room. <laughs> so uh, then he was like, come here. And I was like, okay. And then I went, I was like, I'm in from a trashing. He's going to kill me. And he was like, what did you do? He showed his skin and all the redness was gone. And he's like, what did you do? You're on to something. I want you to continue working on this. And he made me explain all the ingredients and how mm-hmm. we're doing. And then he said, body is not a closed system. This is the wrong thing. As a surgeon, he was like, body is an open system. We're constantly bombarded by everything every day. And people think that skin is your barrier, but your skin is also open. So I am responding as a cancer patient to everything more because I have a suppressed immune system. Whereas a regular person is not going to respond as much. So I want you to continue on this quest. That's how Avicina was born. Mm-hmm. And I got it. It's like, okay, we're, we're on a good spot. He was my harshest critic because he was a scientist, he was a surgeon, and he was my father. So yeah. that's how it was born, actually. 
So, you know, I, I, the, the conversation around the, the immune system is, you know, is something that COVID sort of brought attention to. Um, first and foremost, sort of the importance of a healthy immune system. I think a lot of people kind of just take it for granted. Um, but and you describe your product formulations as immunocosmetics. So can you describe what that means exactly and how the immune system impacts how you formulate topical skincare products? Sure. So the reason why we summarize it under immunocosmetics is this. So before all these skin microbiome, all those different classes, the conventional cosmetics were only focusing on the surface, just, you know, trying to protect the moisture barrier. But your skin is composed of four barriers, four pillars, let's call it. And all these four pillars needs to be strong for a healthy skin. So the first one is your physical barrier, then your chemical barrier, then your skin microbiome, and way underneath it, your skin immunity, which your Langerhans cells, NK cells, T cells, all that. You know, 25% of your immunity is located all under your skin, trying to protect you from everything else. So the immunocosmetics already started before we coined the term with the skin microbiome products, because they were caressing and trying to protect the skin microbiome balance. So with that said, the skin immunity, how it gets into this concept is, if you keep all those four pillars happy and balanced, against the sensitivities that attacks to us every day, this could be environmental aggressors or even stress, then you're establishing a healthy wellness balance. I hope that makes sense. Because as, as I say, it's a whole thing. You can't compartmentalize it anymore. You can't just focus on the um, physical barrier or just chemical barrier. You need to think it as a whole because we are a whole. You know, we're not just one system. You're not just your skin or just your brain. Your brain affects your skin. Your skin affects your brain because when your skin is bad, you're stressed. When you're stressed, your skin is bad. And it it reflects on your whole immune system. So, so there were not a lot of questions that came in. And, and what are some of the first triggers of a weak immune system? So one of the first triggers, uh, it's hard to say because the trigger could be anything in your life, but you can see it as signs reflected on your skin, in your body, even on your face. So the triggers, it's hard to describe it because you could be, God forbid, a cancer patient. Your trigger may not be the same thing for a healthy person. Gotcha. So um, I guess the, 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 the second half of that question that came in was, do you have, you know, any advice on how to keep your immune system stable and healthy? Stable and healthy. Let's say well-balanced. Because yeah, that's, a, that's, that's better language. Well-balanced. So for that, I would recommend a holistic approach. Um, first, stay away from stress. I cannot emphasize this enough and i have to do that myself too stay away from stress because the stress can um you know suppress the impact 
of the immune system's efficiency against aggressors. That's one. Um, try to meditate. There's papers actually that shows that meditation helps the immune system and the wellness. Um, good foods and from inside and good products from outside. And then are there certain, you know, when you talk about, you know, inflammation and, and the, the effect of inflammation on the immune system, you know, there are certain ingredients like sugar, big no-no, right? Are there, are there other, are there other sort of ingredients like that, that, I mean, that we ingest, we don't necessarily put them on our skin topically, um, that can help strike that balance? To work against the inflammation, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we need um, a baseline of inflammation because that actually helps against the microbes or the aggressors that are coming in so your immune system can show response immediately. Mm -hmm. But above a certain limit, and this will change for person to person, um, you can, again, stay away from sugars, as you said. <laughs> you know, the carbohydrates, fast food, that kind of thing. Vitamins could help and good quality foods. Again, it's going to change for everybody because everybody has a different sensitivity. I mean, some people are sensitive to gluten. Some people are not. Some people can eat meat. Some can't, you know. So every person needs to figure out their own sensitivities. And there are tests out there. You can, you can take them. And then design their diet against, uh, around that. Well, I mean, you know, it's it on on one level, it's really just common sense, right? You have to listen to your body, and there is no one size fits all sort of solution. I wish there was. It would make <laughs> life easy, you know, because with every age, your needs are changing. Like it's mm -hmm. not the same when we were teenagers when the hormones were rushing, everything was changing. Now I'm like in forties, forty fives, and my age is going to show up now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's. It's changing. So you need to exactly what you said. You need to listen to your body, but not listen to it too much to stress yourself. Mm -hmm. Just listen to the science. It's talking to you. Your skin mm -hmm. is talking. Your body is talking to you. It's your friend. Yeah. So your brand is also positioned as clean and sustainable, which is a niche trend that's become mainstream, yet it's completely not regulated. There's lots of misinformation. You know, we have retailers that are trying to help by establishing standards, but those are not even consistent. Um, and we're starting to see some backlash. So, and I, I kind of feel like it's, kind of hit sort of a crescendo in the past like month or so. I mean, I've seen pieces in the Washington Post, from the Washington Post to the Wall Street Journal, Vogue, Cosmopolitan, um, where there is sort of, you know, these editors and journalists are kind of calling BS on the whole clean beauty thing. Um, so how do you define clean beauty? That's a very good point. Actually, we were discussing with a colleague of mine the other day. So thank you for bringing this up. So clean beauty started as what is not put in the products. That's how it started. It was natural, then green, then clean. I mean, what's the next? Clinical? Could be. But the thing is, the clean beauty is a philosophy for me. So it doesn't only contain the ingredients you don't want in there. Also, how you package it. Is it sustainable? Is it good for Earth? Is it good for the environment? Um, you know, all that. 
So it's not only you're not putting this into the product, it's a whole package. So the editors are right because there was a lot of fear mongering around this. And I love natural ingredients and I love some synthetics, but I prefer natural ingredients. With that said, not every synthetic ingredient is bad. There is really good ones too. So those ones are also can be included in the clean beauty formulation. So just monizing, you know, kicking everything out is not right. So they're completely correct on that. So there are like different users coming out these days as I am seeing it. So there are people who are constantly focusing on formulations. They want their formulations to be clean. And in that aspect, if you're going to go for that, you need to do all the testing. Microbial testing, challenge testing, dermatologic testing, ophthalmology, you need to do all that. Follow EU rules, you know? And then if you're an environmentalist, which we have a group like that, they want sustainability, glass packaging, degradable packaging, all that. Uh, if you, there's a group that prefers natural products who, you know, consumers who define clean like that, then they're looking for products for all natural ingredients. And then there's the cruelty-free group who wants only cruelty-free products. So I think clean beauty, in my philosophy, covers it all. It covers it all. It needs to be sustainable for us, for our body, for Earth. That's it. I mean, it's not going to go away. It's going to stay mm-hmm. here. Another impact is because all of us, were we were stuck in our homes, right? And see how the world has changed. See our impact on the world. You know, the the seas are cleaner. The the environment is better. The air quality was better. So that tells us a lot. We need to have a change. In that aspect, clean beauty like that is a good idea. But fear-mongering is a bad idea. I agree. What do you think is going to be, you know, I kind of feel like there's there's going to be kind of a, a next generation of clean beauty. Um I mean, in, in, you know, in my estimation, it's going to be brands that can kind of show up with the goods with the fact that they've done all the testing, that they've done substantiation, that they can validate their claims, they're B Corp certified, you know, they can really stand behind behind the claims with third party substantiation that goes beyond like writing a check and getting a seal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm curious to, to you know, you're, you're sort of in the category. How do you think the category is going to evolve? I agree on what you're saying. And I think in the U.S. we're going to get changes, you know, consumer and um, retails uh, demand, based on their demand, a change in how the brands are going to present themselves. And I agree on all the stuff you're saying. And we're going to see more scientific-based formulations. That's my sincere wish. And because I'm kind of sick of hearing tea tree oil is good for viruses. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not. (laughs) And they go like, oh, this is for good. It's like, no, it's not. (laughs) So it kind of, you know, so I sincerely hope we're moving into a more scientific era because now people are not afraid of science. Yeah. COVID proved that. Science is working for us. That's all we do. Yeah. 
So, you know, the skincare category has only grown more competitive um, and, you know, more and more brands launch every day. It's even impossible to keep up. Um, but what do you think is your biggest differentiator and how do you break through all the noise to kind of reach your consumer? That's a good question. So uh, our main differentiator is because we have we implemented all the immunology and the molecular medicine knowledge that we have into this brand, into selecting the ingredients, into formulation, into how we select the testing. So we're the first skincare brand that focuses on those four pillars I was talking about. And we understand the impact of inflammaging, you know, our, how our daily lives, our stress is inducing inflammaging and how it can weaken all these skin barriers, which can relate to more problems at the end. That's why we're all having increased sensitivities this year, not because we're outside exposed to them, because we're inside and stressed over our health. Mm -hmm. So with that said, our products, we also follow less is more. So the less is more, philosophy that was pushed by the brand was less ingredients in one product. Ours is different. Less products with, with multiple ingredients to for multifunctional, multitasking products because I want you to use less products on your skin. That's going to do more for you. So you're touching your face less, which means your, your skin is not going to be like, oh, you're touching me. Oh, you're touching me. You're, it's not going to be unhappy. And mm -hmm. You offer these formulas as gentle and as as powerful as possible. So from it will work from top to bottom for even for the most sensitive. Because I'm thinking about myself. I'm not sensitive, but I got sensitive this year. During going yeah. through pregnancy and all that stress I had to go through. So that's our differentiation. And how are you from a marketing perspective, you know, what are, what are sort of the channels that are working for you? Um, and you know, what, I, I guess I would couple that with your distribution strategy. So how, how are you, how are you reaching your consumers? Uh, actually, we're trying to reach to them personally. I believe in the personal touch. Uh, we reach them through our social media and these webinars are great because the, our first um, purpose is to give information and knowledge as much as we can because we're a brand we're aimed to stay here but I also am an educator and I want to teach and I want to share the information I have as much as I can because as you said there's so much misinformation out there uh, with that said our current strategy focuses on multi-channel distribution from direct to consumer the online pure play, uh, we are in some specialty uh, stores and some high-end spas. And um, that's how we are right now. Okay. So, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, it, it's, it's historic, really. Crisis have historically created opportunities and kind of spurred innovation. You know, if we look at sort of 
the the Great Recession, there are some amazing brands that were built out of that. Glossier, Uber, and the, kind of the list goes on. You know, at Beauty Matter, we've we believe that we've just scratched the surface in terms of beauty innovation, and a lot of the technology, I think, up until that you know maybe the last year there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors but now we're seeing beauty like beauty tech really dig deep and solve problems as opposed to kind of entertain um i'm curious to to know where you see the skincare category evolving in the future and then sort of on the back end of that you know since you you are a scientist what health trends and ingredients do you think are going to kind of be make the biggest impact um, kind of in the industry? Sure. So let's go into the scientific part. So I was looking at PubMed last night to see how many papers that came out from uh, skincare and immunity from 2019 to today. There is a 158% increase in like a year and a half, maybe two years. That is a lot. That's a lot of papers. So more and more scientists are focusing on this. And um, there are other also brands that are focusing on real scientific work with Langerhans cells and macrophages and aging. So they're trying to figure this one out. Um, in that light, in 2020, uh, we have this new population of wellness and immune seekers, I want to call them. And that is that has been increased significantly. I mean, the Mintel reports, the Euromonitor reports, we're all talking about it. And with that, the beauty market started moving into clinical, you know, clean and clinical. So shifting towards immunity. So the skin, um, for example, the skin microbiome, um, interest dipped down a little bit last year and it's going up again because people just realize they have sensitivities. So we're not moving away from this wellness and immune balance um, demand. We're, we're going to go more into it and there's going to be more scientific papers coming out, I believe, which is going to be great. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's interesting to see it's interesting to see real experts become influencers and being seeked in uh, for consumers to seek out experts kind of in this age of kind of influencers. Um, so I, I agree. I think I think science is going is going to kind of become the hero product, if you will, um, for brands because and it goes back to that ability to. Um, to substantiate and validate, like, and also science is universal, you know, we're in kind of a very, COVID also made it very clear how interconnected we are. Um, and, you know, as you contemplate global distribution, science is universal, and it doesn't need kind of to be made culturally relevant. No, it's not. It's just the thing about scientists, and this is where I'm going to give up our yeah. <laughs> We're so used to being our, with our colleagues and we just talk. It sounds like gibberish from outside when we start talking technical. You know, like what Albert Einstein said, if you don't know it well, you can't explain it easily, which is sometimes not the truth because scientists are not trained to explain it easily. We never got that training. So any scientist 
It could be any of the brands who can convey the scientific information in an easier way is going to win. And actually, I think that is critical. That is important. I think that's a really interesting point because a lot, you know, and, and I think it also comes back to sustainability as well, right? You know, sustainability is not linear. It's constantly evolving and it's complicated. And there is no one, there's no like one size fits all easy answer. And I think, you know, I think it's kind of similar to science. Like if you actually have the knowledge and can explain it, you can cut through the noise. Exactly. Exactly. That's very well way of experience. So what is next for your brand? And, and, you know, and, you know, what, what does success look like for you? Because I think, I think success looks different for everyone. Success. Success for me that people are happy using our products. They're happy. They're healthy. You know, if I can touch them with a little bit of happiness and the peace of mind, that makes me happy extremely happy with that growth that makes me happy (laughs) Uh, i have to say this i'm a nerd i love formulating you know new products with new ingredients that are coming up that is my fun time it's sad but it is (laughs) (laughs) well but no i i think the passion kind of comes through in your brand and and listen, if products don't work, you know, you don't have a business. Uh, the formulation is crucial. Exactly. I can share you one information. We have 20% return customer rate. That's great. I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. And uh, they're happy. That means I'm happy. I mean, my mom, is. she's also a pathologist. I mean, she's also my... She criticizes a lot because she's a scientist too. You know, she also an oncologist. She loves it. Oh my God. The right. first time I gave it to her, she was like, I love this. I was like, I'm doing something good. She uh, loves it. So yeah, I, mean, I love constructive criticism. I love talking to people. I love listening to their problems and I love solving them. And I hope we solve the pain point right now. Yeah. 